Unique yet common sense opinions on sports. This is Jeff Allen Sports Talk. All right, time to do another baseball edition of the podcast. My guys, Joe Finger and Jay Cresswell, are here as uh, we hit uh, near the All Star break. We're just a touch over the halfway point of the season. Joe and Jay. Glad to have you guys back. Thanks, Jeff. Good to be here. Yeah, we got uh, lots of things happening in this uh, first season of baseball under the new rules. We've uh, pretty much exhausted all the commentary on that in the last two podcasts, so we will pretty much leave it at that there. But uh, let's start off with some team updates. Uh, Joe, you want to lead us off on your Twins? Sure. Uh, Actually, I had three burning questions for the show tonight, and one of which does relate to the Twins. And my first question was, will any team in the AL Central finish with a winning record? (laughs) Um, That's the first question. My second question, well, who will the Braves play in the World Series? Let's just be real. And my third question is, who do you guys think will win the All-Star game, the American League or the Atlanta Braves? (laughs) (laughs) But we'll talk about the Twins for a little bit. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) I know Jeff's going to be talking about the Braves. There's a good chance of that, yes. (laughs) Well, the, the Twins, it is said, have the AL Central to win, and they are doing their best so far to keep everyone else in the race. Um, they have some of the best pitching they've had in the history of the franchise. They lead all of baseball as we speak in earned run average. I know the Minnesota Twins, number one in the pitching staff. Uh, they have an excellent five-man rotation. I thought they were going to be very strong. I mentioned that in the previous podcast. Uh, Sonny Gray, who's their lone all-star. Joe Ryan. And Bailey Ober, who wasn't even on the major league team coming out of spring training has been excellent. Pablo Lopez, who was picked up in that offseason trade from the Marlins, has pitched better of late. And Kento Maeda, who's come back from Tommy John surgery, has also had two quality starts. So the Twins have an excellent starting five. They have an excellent closer with Johan Duran, who touches it up at about 101 or 102 every time out. And yet they're only two games ahead of Cleveland American League Central, and that's because they're not really hitting. They've got a lot of guys who are having really mediocre first half of the season at the plate, and that includes the two highest-paid players, Carlos Correa and Byron Buxton, who has been relegated now to just DHing. His his body and his knees are so fragile, apparently, that they won't even play him in center field. Both of those guys hitting in the low 200s. The Twins' pitching staff leads the American League in strikeouts, but the Twins hitters also lead the American League in strikeouts. So I guess you go to a Twins game this year, you're going to see plenty of strikeouts on both sides. And so for the Twins, it's just a matter of trying to get some of these hitters back up into what we think they're capable of doing. They're 10th in run scored right now in the American League. In fact, uh, the entire AL Central is in the bottom six of runs scored in the American League stats, only Oakland is worse, the the minor league team that the A's are putting out there this year dead last. So it's about getting some hitting. I would think the Twins might be in the market to try to pick up a bat or two come trade deadline. I certainly hope they will. They need some outfield help with Buxton not playing center. They've got Max Kepler hitting barely above 200 in right. 
and Joey Gallo, who hasn't hit above 200, I think, in the past three or four that seasons. <laughs> we, he has regressed to the mean. He's hitting at about 185. They love him in Minnesota. He hits these monster home runs, but when other guys aren't hitting, it's hard to justify, you know, keeping a guy like that. I was How about watching Nelson Cruz. Yeah. <laughs> you know, He's I was available. watching the game. What's that? He's available. He is. He is. He is available. Uh, Roy Smalley was on the uh, call in one of the games the other day doing color with Dick Bremer, and uh, Gallo had just launched one of those mammoth home runs, and they said, well, you know, that's why Joy is still in there in the hopes that occasionally his bat will run into a baseball. Uh, <laughs> and I said, yeah, that just about that just about sums it up. So I'm cautiously optimistic if they can maybe add a bat or get some guys on track with the pitching they have and a, and a relatively weak division that uh, they could still have a, you know, a decent shot at it making it, and then you know if you get into the playoffs, if they're so fortunate, if you've got some good pitching, short series, who knows what might happen? So that's that's kind of the mindset right now. I know the natives are restless in Minneapolis. They're saying, "Do not waste this pitching. We've got to get some uh, right. get some more offense." So that's kind of the twins in a nutshell. So your question was, would anybody in, in the central finish above five hundred? I guess you could also say anybody in the East going to finish below 500. <laughs> well, that's exactly right. I think the, the Twins would be dead last in the East, I think, uh, at least for a while they would have been. And the Red Sox, who were dead last in the East, would have been leading the Central. So that, that kind of tells you how things are so upside down this year. Yeah. For a second, when you brought up Roy Smalley, I thought you were going to say he was available. And not, not that. <laughs> well, you know, they, they, I think maybe I, Gary Gaetti still lives up there. Herbeck is too out of shape, and I, you know, Gaetti might be a possibility. <laughs> Get him out there. His back may Carew run into a baseball. <laughs> Rod Car- I think Rod Carew could probably still hit three hundred. <laughs> Carew probably could as well. That's right. They're really missing Louis Arias right now. You know that guy who's hitting uh, just under four hundred for that. Team down south of us here in Florida. Yeah. Uh, I didn't mind that trade at first, but boy, I, I didn't. I wasn't thinking everybody was going to go in the tank on the offensive side of things. They're going to have such a hard time scoring runs. So it would be great to still have him, but not to be. Mm. All right, let's switch over to Jay to talk about the Pittsburgh Pirates. Last time we were together, the Pirates were a first place team in the <laughs> National League Central, and somehow the bottom fell out. What the heck yeah. happened? I'm going to use one of Joe's phrases and talk about regressing to the mean. Um, (laughs) Now, first of all, if you were to tell me that at this point in the season, they would only only be six games under 500, if you'd have told me that at the beginning of the year, I'd have taken it in a second. But when you start out 20 and 8, and then May may have been the worst month in the history of Major League Baseball, um, they just can't get it together hitting and pitching. Uh, over the last couple of weeks, their starters ERA is over 10. And, you know, two weeks ago, they were sixth in the league in ERA. So, and but at that time, the bullpen wasn't doing it. The other, the big issue with them is they're not hitting. And, uh, for example, last night in the game against the Dodgers, they blew a 4 nothing lead because of their pitching. And twice between the fifth inning and the end of the game, they had the bases loaded and no outs and didn't score either time. Mm. And that is the way their season has gone. They can't hit with runners in scoring position. Now, pleasant surprises, 
And I said this last time we got together, Carlos Santana is the man. I don't know how he's still playing every night, but he is. He's hitting. He's gold glove caliber first baseman right now. Um, you know, McCutcheon, 270, 280, which you know, 20 years ago would have been 300. Um, still bringing leadership and the right attitude and everything. But here's the other thing, the best part of it, the good part. They've called up three guys from the minors, finally, that we've been talking about for years, and all three of them are playing very well. The third is Jared Triolo, who is playing third base while Key Brian Hayes is injured again. And Triolo is hitting, and this is the part we worried about, playing a great third base. Because Key Brian Hayes is leading the major leagues in any position in a war, not in fielding, I'm sorry. And uh, but he can't hit, and he always has a bad bag. And quite frankly, and this is just my opinion, he doesn't seem to care very much. He does what he's expected to do, and not an extra thing. Much like a guy named Charlie Hayes, who was his father. Ah. Now here's the deal. You know, if Triola is the real deal, everyone goes, "Well, trade Hayes." Well, he's hitting two seventeen. You know, and he's making $9 million a year, so who's going to want him? The other two pleasant surprises are um, Nick Gonzalez, who was the number one pick, nah, the number seven pick a couple years ago at second base, and he's come up and he's hitting 300, and he's driving in runs, and he's playing very well in the field, which they did not expect. And, in fact, he's playing shortstop most nights while O'Neill Cruz is still on the uh, – uh, the disabled list. The other big one is Henry Davis. He was the number one pick in 2021. He's a catcher. However, as you can tell, he's only played right field since he came up. They're not thrilled that he's on the, uh, on the uh, scale to be a major league catcher just yet. So he's playing every night. He's hitting very well. He has got a rifle arm um, and he hasn't made a mess of himself in right field. So those three guys are all doing very well. Uh, now, there's one more at AAA. Andy Rodriguez is the number one prospect on the team. He's a catcher. He's a good catcher, and he's a good hitter. However, I, you know, the Pirates were at first uh, convicted of uh, leaving him down there to save his Super Two status so they could be cheap. And then he and Henry Davis were both catchers. So now Henry Davis is there and playing right field. And the Pirates have two catchers. One is Jason DeLay, who gets $5 million a year to hit 189, and thus far has four catchers' interferences called against him in half a season. However, he's a great pitch framer. And uh, another reason why I'm in a big hurry for the automated strike zone, because then you can't pitch frame. Mm. And the other, the backup, uh, he hits 300, but he's not a good catcher. So... Hopefully, in the short-term future, they'll bring up Endy. He will catch or play first base and therefore give Carlos Santana a break. So they'll have Selinski in center, who's second among center fielders in slugging percentage. Um, so the, the kids are here. They just need to get it all together at the same time. However, apparently no one is going to catch the Cincinnati Reds, and who would have ever thought we were going to say that? They were picked to have the worst or second worst record in the national league coming into the year. And after winning today, they're 10 games over 500. And with the Cardinals being what 17 under, 
I think we can dismiss them and everything they're going through. So the Pirates, you know what? They win 70 games, maybe 80 or get close to 80. It'll be a successful season, and the kids will all have major league experience. I'll take it. Mm. So you don't think this is no longer a winnable division because of the Reds? Correct. So let me, you know, uh, this is interesting because uh, I, I mentioned this on the podcast last week, you know, because Cincinnati has definitely been a story. And Ellie De La Cruz has become the big yep. story uh, in baseball. Um, but I am going to put out a cautionary tale. Uh, you remember a few years back when Yasiel Puig coming up with the Dodgers? Yep. Having a, you know, like a spectacular first month ESPN had him in the Hall of Fame in Cooperstown uh, his first month, and they openly campaigned for him in the fan vote when it was him and Freddie Freeman. Yep. ESPN openly campaigned for him yep. uh, to, to be in, that, in the in the All-Star game. Uh, Yasiel Puig did not have a great career. No. Um, you know. No, and you're right. Uh, the, the, I'm glad you brought that up. You know, Ellie Dela Cruz is a phenomenal baseball player. Mm-hmm. Okay, he's got the speed, the power, and all that stuff. Guess what? He's only been through the league one time, and the second time around might be different for him at bat. Uh, O'Neill Cruz, the Pirates version of the same guy, found that out last year. He came up, he was leading the league in, you know, exit velocity and hardest throw from shortstop. And all. The league caught up to him. They just started throwing him slow stuff around the corners, and he was hitting in the 100s before you know it. I think that's coming for Dela Cruz, but I think the rest of the Reds, Joey Votto's back and hitting home runs. Um, who would have thought it? But I don't know that anyone else in the Central can put it together. Mm. Well, I'll tell you, like you said, uh, you know, Dela Cruz is awesome talent. He may very well end up being a great player. Uh, but you're, but yeah, major league pitchers will find your kryptonite. It's yeah. it's on, at some Absolutely. point. I mean, Austin Riley, another great example. He came up. He was yes. the, he was he was the natural, hitting home runs on virtually every at bat, and then all of a sudden he started getting curveballs and he could not yeah. hit them. Yeah, so it was like the movie. I'm gonna, with the curve. Going to say the Reds, uh, their starting pitching hasn't been that great. I, they may make a sure. move to, to bolster that, but but I think they're. Starters had an ERA of well over five the last time I checked. So Correct. they're um, just out hitting people. But they're just yeah, they're winning just by putting runs up, which you know, more credit to them, I suppose. Yeah. All right, so Joe, you've already proclaimed the Braves into the World Series, uh, and 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 God, I hope you're right. Um, they have come off the most spectacular offensive month in Major League Baseball history in the month of June. Yep. In which they went twenty-one and four with a seventy-one run differential, wow. three hundred seven batting average, nine forty-three OPS, one hundred and seventy-five runs, two hundred and seventy hits, forty-two doubles, four triples, sixty-one home runs, one hundred sixty-eight RBIs, and they also stole twenty-seven bases. I mean, and that's just Acuna. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's 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 really really Pretty much. yeah, really really crazy. Uh, the month they put up, they're still playing very good baseballs. We enter July and head towards the uh, the also right big series this weekend with the Tampa Bay Rays. Yes, uh, wish I could go to that, but my wife is out of town, so she's coming back late Saturday night, which puts traveling to Tampa out of my out of my sphere for this weekend. So I'll have to watch on TV, but uh, we'll be rooting hard nonetheless. Um, 
here's the thing, you know, uh, the offense is powerful. They're they're strong up and down the lineup, one through nine. You know, Michael Harris is your number nine hitter. Yeah. Uh, you know, and he's like having another leadoff hitter. You know, uh, Orlando Arcee is having a, a, a terrific season and uh, getting to the All-Star Games is a shortstop. And they still got the pitching. And just to think, their pitching staff still yet to be fortified by the return of Max Fried and Kyle Wright, two of their best starters, uh, Freed closer to coming back than Wright is, but, uh, you know, they've uh, managed to uh, to hold it together. Soroka's come back. He uh, uh, pitched uh, against the uh, uh, the Guardians this week yeah. and uh, got through, got into the fifth inning. He, he had traffic in, in every inning, but pitched his way out of it, so he's still got things to work on. You figure it's been four years, you know, so... Uh, you know, what contributions they get from him will be gravy. Bryce Elder's having a career year uh, and their bullpen just, you know, they, they are very strong all up and down the lineup. Now I worry come playoff time. And this is why home run reliant teams, when you're facing the top pitchers come playoff time, it's a different story. You're not, you're not banging them out at the pace that they that they do during the regular season. So that is where I worry. But Yeah, you see every team's top three pitchers. Yes. And sometimes, you know, they're, they're top two twice, right? <laughs> yes, right, yeah. So that would be what, what, where, where I'm concerned. Go ahead, Joe. What are the Braves' weaknesses, Jeff? Let's talk about their weaknesses. <sighs> okay, uh, that, that's it. That Those are their weaknesses, right? There is no answer to that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean... To pick any weakness now would be nitpicking, probably. Yeah, probably yeah. all relative. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, also, let me throw in. I think this has something to do with it, obviously, because this is very uh, logical. The Braves are doing so well, and the Cardinals are stinking because of Chip Carey. And don't tell him I said that. <laughs> That's it. No, I love Chip. I just made a joke there. <laughs> yeah. He, yeah. He 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 did uh, jump from one extreme into the other. That's for sure. Who would have thought of that? Yeah. Ooh. Yeah, it, it it is crazy. Uh uh you know Yeah, it's it's it, it's a lot to fathom w- with them right now. I you know, I enjoy watching games every night, you know, it's uh, it's hard it's hard uh, hard not to when when you got a chance to 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 win each and every every time out. Um So yeah, it's a uh, it's an interesting aspect. Anything else around the big leagues that has caught your attention, uh, either one of you guys? Otani, of course. Yes. Surprise, yes. surprise. Yes. Uh, you know, and that's what? funny because, like, we talk about him every show, and just when you think you've said all you can say about him, he ups the ante more, right? He's outdone himself, I guess. He's got, like, 31 home runs right now and has struck out 127 batters in 95 innings, so... I don't know what, you know, we always say, what more can you say? But like you said, I think he's just up the ante a little bit. And yet the Angels are plodding along a few games above 500 with Mike Trout once again on the injured list. Yeah. So do they trade Otani? I mean, that's kind of a ridiculous question, but it's it's been out there, you know, I I, I can't see it. But they may be looking at another uh, stay home postseason despite that, uh, you know, that pair about I have, a, I have a friend, an older friend, uh, who sent when he finds cool baseball stuff, he texts it to me. 
and he sent me a copy of a baseball card from somewhere in the late 60s, and it was Clemente, Mays, and Aaron together. And I can't remember. I have that card. I recognize that immediately. Yep. (laughs) And he sent it to me, and I said, you know, uh, John, I – I find myself feeling gratitude that I saw all three of them play in person. Mm-hmm. And then it hit me that three weeks ago yesterday, I saw Otani play in person here in uh, in Arlington. And he got two hits and hit a home run to left field that is still traveling. <laughs> and he is just playing a different game than everyone else right now. And may it continue. Yeah, it. You know, and I have to say I'm grateful as well because last summer I got to see Otani when in Atlanta, and yep. I got to see him pitch, and I got to see him hit a home wow. run, and wow. you know, so it's kind of cool you, you to to see that in person and realize what you know he's on his way to building an amazing legacy. Um, the same person also pointed out to me, and I did not know this, but I actually saw this on Twitter. If it's still in existence. Um, Babe Ruth, later in his career, came back and pitched again for the Yankees. In 1930, he pitched a complete game. And in 1933, he pitched a complete game. I had no idea. I thought that ended with the trade to the Yankees from the Red Sox. Hmm. Um, But, no, I mean, that's one of those things nobody knows about. But I have a feeling we'll be seeing Otani pitching and hitting for the rest of his career. And he has a chance to break uh, uh, Judge's home run record in the American League this year. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> this year. Yep. Amazing. Just amazing. All right. The other thing I want to bring up, and I'm sure I brought this up last time. What is up with the ball and strike calls? I know it's a constant source of complaint for all teams. Mm-hmm. It just seems to me to be even worse this year. And now we, we see all the Angel Hernandez clips and things like that, but it, it is as if pitches that are three and four inches off the corners are being called strikes. Now, I understand they always say just be consistent. So you go up there knowing if that pitch is off the corner, you're going to have to follow it off or go poke it into right field. But I I – what I mean? What? What? Why doesn't Mister Modeling do something? You know, I I don't know what the answer is. I I'm sure the answer is automated ball and strike calls. Uh, it is just awful and inconsistent. Yeah. Is there any explanation for that? I don't have an answer for that. Is there any anybody out there who's put out some type of plausible? analysis of that what is it uh they are they're saying screw it they're going to replace us anyway so we're going to do it how we want to or <laughs> well you know in the past there have been unwritten rules about the strike zone but everybody knew well we're, we're going to move it up a little bit this year or we're going to widen it a little this year but i'm telling you i just think it's worse than it has ever been i can count a number of times i've seen you know a ball that's like way off the plate being called a strike. Yeah. You know, that should never happen. Right. Yeah. <laughs> well, and you know, you, you see some of this stat cast stuff after the game. And frankly, even in a game where the ump has been quote bad, 
he's accurate 92% of the time or something like that. So, you know, overall it's good, but some of these are just inconsistently bad. Do you think there's a case, you know, you know, because it's one of those things it's, it goes back to the few bad apples, right? So, you know, do you think overall you look at, you know, most of the guys who call balls and strikes are pretty good. Yep. Um, But the ones that are bad are just so terrible. And now, you know, we've get, you know, 24 hour replays of all this bad stuff. Yeah. How much does that heighten it? I I don't doubt it. The other way I look at it this year, at least is now it's noticeable when the guy calls a great game. You (laughs) think, man, I didn't see anything to complain about there. It's, it's noticeable and I think maybe we took that for granted in the past. But, of course, in the past, we didn't have a strike zone superimposed on our television screen mm-hmm. showing us where the ball was crossing to play, or if. I question sometimes how accurate those graphic overlays are, especially when there's, like, a really tall batter. Yeah. I mean, who does that? Is, is it the guy who's doing the pitch clock also drawing the box in there and sliding it around with his mouse. I, you know, I, I want to know who's in charge. Uh, this is starting to get into the realm of conspiracy theory, but I will make a note of this and I'm going to, I'm going to dig into the psychological aspects of this for next time. I'm curious now. I'm, I want to yeah. know more, more about this. I, I can't really respond too intelligently tonight, but um, is there something there or is there not? That's, that's the question. Yeah. I don't know. And and I will say this, you know, I think in each of the last three seasons, I've I've can I've I've watched more baseball than I have than, you know, I mean, always watch games, you know, during the teens and stuff like that. But now, you know, thanks to the MLB app, you can watch games all the time. So my 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 consumption has grown quite a bit. And that is, you know, is it just maybe because I'm seeing so much more baseball than I have that I'm seeing more of this stuff that that we might think is not good. I don't know. Yeah, well, and mind you, our sample size is three. So, uh, you know, it would need to be a much larger study to see how others feel about it. <laughs> yes, that, that is true. More, more to come. Yes. Yes. Hey, gives us good uh, good gives us good material to work for with. That's uh, that's yep. never a bad thing. So, recently, uh, the New York Yankees got the twenty fourth perfect game in MLB history. Domingo Germán got that, and I sent you guys this tweet because it is very interesting. Because you know, when you think of all the years of baseball, twenty four times that has happened. There are several things that are harder. I would. Yeah. Uh, There's a couple that I probably would not have got, and I think the the first one's like the four home run game, which yep. has only happened 18 times. I believe today is the anniversary of Bob Horner's four homer game for the it Atlanta is. Braves. Uh, so that's just that's happened less. Ten RBIs in a game has happened 16 times. Yeah, I spent more time on this aspect of my yes. research this week by far than anything else. I took a pretty deep dive into some of this stuff because I, I saw the same thing on Facebook. And then you sent it out like the next day. And I'm thinking, yeah, that's really, really pretty amazing. And I actually found a couple of things that were not on this list. 
I, you know, I just did a Google search and these kinds of lists have come out every few years. And there were a couple that came up. Well, this is why you're the head of the research department, Joe. <laughs> What's that? This is why you're the head of the research department. <laughs> the research department. Um, let me lay this out here. Let me just make sure I don't, I didn't want to forget this. We, you know, we talk about Otani and what a great um, player he is because he's a great hitter and, and pitcher. Uh, you guys remember a guy by the name of Rick Wise? I do. Phillies. Cardinals. Yes. Cleveland. Yes. Yes. And boy, could so, he hit. There was a, he did something that I remembered as a kid when it happened. And I, you know, I was probably 13 years old at the time. And I thought, holy cow, how is this possible? But June 23rd, 1971, Phillies at Reds, Rick Wise throws a no hitter. He allowed only one base runner. On a walk, Baby Concepcion got a walk in the sixth inning. This was at Riverfront against a loaded Cincinnati Reds team. Not only did Rick Wise pitch an almost perfect game that night, he also hit two home runs himself, (laughs) driving in three of the four Phillies runs. No one had ever done it before, and no one has ever done it since. Three pitchers have pitched a no-hitter, and hit one home run, Wes Farrell, Earl Wilson, Jim Tobin. But no one did what Rick Wise did that night at Riverfront Stadium in Cincinnati. He was known as a good hitter, by the way. This yes. Is yeah. He was a – he, he in fact, he hit six home runs that year. Yeah. I remember. Yeah, he now, was a frequent pinch hitter. Yes, he was. Now – So he'll we, be the only one until Otani does it, right? <laughs> and I was thinking exactly. about that. If anybody's going to do it, he's going to do it. Now, later that season – Wise hit two home runs in a game in August, but I believe is the only pitcher to twice hit two home runs in a game in the same season, as far as I know. I wasn't able to find anything that, that wow. contradicted that. I can't think of anything. And then in an extra inning game against the Cubs in September of that same season, he gave up a, a couple of runs in the first two innings against the Cubs. This was at Veterans Stadium in Philadelphia in a home game for the Phillies. But after that second inning, he went on to retire – 32 consecutive batters in a game that went 12 innings, and he pitched all 12 innings, essentially pitched a perfect game plus five after the second inning, and the Phillies ended up winning that game in the bottom of the 12th as Rick Wise delivered the game-winning hit. They let him hit for himself in the bottom of the 12th with the bases loaded. Pitch counts were not kept back then, but it, it generally thought that he was well above 200 pitches in that game. Yeah. So that, I, that to me, uh, is is just mind-boggling, particularly that that no-hitter with the two home runs. That's, That's one that I have always remembered uh, all of these years, but I, I assume I probably read about it as a kid, and I just left an imprint. But amazing. That's some heavy stuff. What other uh, what other nuggets did you dig up uh Okay, one more real quick. Um, only one pitcher has ever hit two Grand Slam homers in a single game. Now, I know that list you sent out, Jeff, there was a certain batter who hit two Grand Slams in the same inning, and we can talk more about that. But there was once a pitcher who hit two Grand Slam homers in the same game and had nine RBIs. Any idea who that might be? Tony Clottinger. Yes, Tony yes. Clottinger. Yes, a North Carolina native. 
who uh, was on the winning end of a 17 to three Braves route over the Giants at Candlestick on July 3rd of 1966. Wow. And the Braves had a kind of a mediocre team that year, but he hit two grand slams and drove in nine runs in that ball game. And he also was a pretty decent hitting. Yes. Pitcher. But no one's ever done that since. Maybe it wasn't, it was, who knows? wasn't that 66. Wasn't that the first year for the Atlanta Braves? Yes. Yeah, Jay, you're right. That was their first year in Atlanta. It sure was. So you said that was on July 3rd, right? Yes. So July 4th, of course, is the infamous Rick Kent game. Oh, Lord, yes. yeah. Who was not a good hitting pitcher, and that was his only home run in his career. Perhaps even more amazing. In, in the 17th inning. His bat ran into a baseball that night. Yes. <laughs> yeah, that was all over social media. Yes. Yeah, every um, every 4th of July, that, that, that yeah. makes the round. That rounds. was great. I mean, yeah, it was a great game. The only downside of that was John Sterling was on the call because – uh, he, he made it all about himself because it, he stated, well, if he were to hit a home run here, blah, blah, blah. And, of course, he hits a home run. He goes nuts, and he doesn't shut up. He doesn't He doesn't bow out. And, you right. know, now, there wasn't much of a crowd left at that point because it was all, you know, three in the morning. But, yeah. <laughs> but there was nobody there earlier, right? <laughs> it was pretty pretty sparse. But, uh, but, yeah, that's the only downside to the Rick Camp thing is I, I can't listen to the Sterling call. Yeah, and 40 years later, he's still doing the same thing. I was going to say, what has changed? <laughs> <laughs> he got hit by a foul ball. Yeah, Why, yeah, I read about yeah. that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that that was actually, you know, I'm glad he didn't get hurt, but it was like, he was like, right. he's like, ow! <laughs> <laughs> Susie, something hit me! <laughs> <laughs> oh, pretty, 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 pretty crazy stuff. So, so who was you know you guys know who the guy was who hit the the two grand slams in the same inning? You, yeah, I do. Look. Fernando Tatis Senior. Tatis Senior, I guess. Should have known that. Yeah, and I well, kind of an odd thing. He hit it off the same pitcher. Uh, <laughs> Ho, Can Ho Park. Well, They're going to take Rodgers. They left him in the game. So <laughs> Tatis wiped him out for the second time. It's customary in this country for you to stay in. <laughs> <laughs> What was Tatis thinking when he came up the second time? You haven't had enough of me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. They, they must have really blown through their bullpen the night before. If they yeah, left him out yeah, there. In the I first. understand that. <laughs> I, I guess. Oh, gosh. <laughs> that's that's funny. Uh, I, oh, the I don't know how this was calculated. I read some piece this week that said the odds against that were 12 million to one. I don't even know how you calculate that because it's – yeah, it's happened it's once. It only happened once. So what did they do? They calculated the total number of baseball plays over the I have no idea. Twelve million to one. Oof. That's that's incredible. Yeah. Some of the some of the other interesting ones. So unassisted triple play has only happened fifteen times. I would have thought that number would have been higher, but maybe not. Me too. Perfect game lost on the twenty seventh batters happened thirteen times. Oh, let me jump in on that one real quick. Yeah. Um, so there's so there's been 24 perfect games. Mm-hmm. Uh, 13 perfect games la- would be perfect games la- lost on the last batter, which means there would have been 37 games perfect 
to the final out, 24 of which became perfect games, 13 of which did not. So that's about a 40% a 40 chance the pitcher is going to blow that perfect game on the final at bat. That seems kind of high. Yeah, it does. Um, you know, if you were to do a spread on that, I, I didn't do that. I'm not that nutty, but um, I just wonder if, if um, you know, that, that late. Because it, it, it just seems anecdotally to me, how many times have we seen just a regular no-hitter get lost? in the ninth inning or last batter of the ninth inning, you almost think almost kind of anticipating the pitcher's not going to make it. You get the no, no alert. Somebody's got a no hitter going into the ninth. You know, there's a pretty good chance they're not going to do it. So this just kind of, kind of, um, kind of verified that, uh, that, that seems like you got a, not quite a 50% chance, not a, not a 35 to 40% chance of losing it on your last. Sure. You could get some action on that at FanDuel or uh, one of those sites. Um, Yeah. And it would be astronomical. Yeah, right. Which is interesting because, you know, you often hear the, the, the phrase, you know, when pitchers try to close out a game, the last out is the hardest to get. Yeah. <laughs> so unless it's, you're throwing a perfect game, it's not. <laughs> well, that's crazy. Interesting. Yeah. So we talked about the two grand slams. That's happened 13 times. In, in in a game, that's that, three sacrifice flies in a game. Yeah, yeah. eleven yeah. eleven times. I would have thought that number would be a lot higher. Yeah, twenty strikeouts in nine innings five times. That sounds about right. Twenty strikeouts it is hard to get. Yeah, yeah. Three hits in one inning has only happened three times. So yeah, so you, so yeah, you got well, you, you got to bat around twice, right? Yeah, you have to have at least nineteen guys up. Yeah, really. And I don't know who who's done that. I didn't. I didn't pursue that one uh, when the last time that happened. So, very interesting numbers in the vault there. So, uh, any other research outside of this that you uh, did, Joe? I've got one more. You knew I was going to have one uh, more. Right? Of course. <laughs> of course. <laughs> this one is just totally. Quirky. Uh, we've heard about hitting for the cycle. Mm-hmm. Well, well, in a game in 1970, a young Lou Pinella, uh got what we would call an out for the cycle. <laughs> I don't know if you want to take a guess what that means. But he, he was early on in his career. They're playing a game at Milwaukee, an afternoon game at Milwaukee. Not many people there. Lou went three for five with a home run. Also reached base on a hit by pitch, so he had a pretty good game. But in the at bats that he had that did not result in a home run, so four visit bats did not result in a home run. And in those at bats, in one of them, he was tagged out at the plate trying to score from first on a double, so he was thrown out at home. Later on, he was forced out at second base, and then later on, he was picked off of third base on a on a. <laughs> throw from the catcher and then he just made a routine ground out and was thrown out at first so he was out at first second third and the home so it's an out for the cycle (laughs) who in the world is keeping track of that couldn't happen to a nicer guy (laughs) and you said a a young Lou Pinella he looked old when he was young (laughs) oh his baseball cards I thought man I know he's like whoa (laughs) yeah so that that was the well, the strangest one I came up with. Oh, I like that. That's yeah, that was that was weird. That's pretty remarkable. That 
<laughs> yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I don't know how you keep track of all that. Yeah, I don't think. It, yeah, unless, unless somebody just noticed that at the time and made a point of, you know, putting it out there. He's been out at every base. That's yeah, he's been out at every base. Yeah, he did. That probably happens a lot in Little League, right? But uh, not. Uh, <laughs> now that that's fine. Jay, you got anything else uh, lingering out there? No, but I there is something I want to talk about. I want to talk about the regional sports networks, and I know we touched on it last. Yeah. Time. So, does anybody know what's happening? Um, now we see what's happening in some of the other sports. For example, uh, the Phoenix Suns and the NBA. Their new owners said, "Screw this. We're just going to put our games on over-the-air television and and stream them." And we'll keep all the revenue. Mind you, how much money are these teams going to lose by not getting rights fees paid by Diamond or, you know, Bally or any of these people? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I'm sure the rest of the season will carry on as it is. But haven't there been a couple of defaults where Diamond says we're not doing this anymore for like three or four of the teams? And I think San Diego's one of them. And I want to know what those teams are doing. Yeah, so San Diego, I believe, is the only one so far. Got it. Got it. So far. MLB is doing their broadcast. Producing uh, everything. Yeah, they're producing everything. I think initially, I read a story about this. So, like, the first game or two, MLB brought in whole crews to do the first couple of games. Uh, kept the same announcers, Don Orsillo. Um, yeah, uh, is the play-by-play guy there, and then they brought everybody that was working for Bally back in. So I'm not sure. sure what the reasoning behind all that was, other than just to kind of get get things off the ground the way they wanted to uh, in this scenario. But so far, they are the only ones. Cincinnati was close, true, taking a default payment uh, or having a default on a payment. Um, outside of that, I have not heard any others to this point. I know the Braves are, are, are fine. Haven't heard anything going on there. Um, but it is interesting because at some point, even if it doesn't happen this season, there is going to be a whole redoing of regional sports, right? Yeah. Times three sports. Yes, times three sports, hockey and NBA being the other, right? So that's going to be an interesting thing to watch because I could see, so San Diego is also, their games are being streamed for free locally, which will be one one thing that might come good out of all this is if some of this stuff starts reverting, that we can get rid of the silly blackout rule. Yes, Exactly. Uh, so have you streamed any of the Padres games to hear what it sounds like? Or if it, it I, I just thought of that. I'll, I'll tune in tonight because uh, I have the extra innings package and I'll see if I notice any difference. I did not notice anything different other than the graphics. They just look like an yeah. MLB network game graphics. Hmm. That's pretty much it. I think everything else is, is, is solid and stay and stays the same. So now if any other, 
teams are going to go the over-the-air route uh, for their games about a month ago. Many CBS O&Os TV that also own CW stations have dropped all CW programming so that they can keep all the inventory. And perhaps in those markets, there's about eight of them right now, that's a good place to park your sports. Mm. Um, now, I was thinking about that here because in Dallas-Fort Worth, there's four sports. And um, the CW affiliate here is owned by uh, Nexstar, which, of course, is blacked out right now on DirecTV and Dish and everywhere else. Um, so there's no place to put the Mavericks, the Stars, and the Rangers until this whole thing is figured out. I mean, they're all on there now. You know, the Stars finished their season. The Mavericks are upcoming, so that one will have to be figured out. And the Rangers are rolling still on uh, Fox Sports Southwest, which is owned by uh, Valley. Mm -hmm. It's Valley Sports Southwest, excuse me. So, you know, some of the markets may have an easier way to put them on over-the-air TV in the local market and then just stream them uh, and avoid the blackout problem. Who knows? I just think it's a big mess. Yeah, there's a there's a lot to untangle there. Um, and I think, yeah, there will be a point where I think over the air is going to be a factor again. Yeah. I think streaming is going to be a major factor in all this. Yes. Um, and again, that's why I want the blackout rule to go away, because I would like to watch the Braves broadcast when they play the Marlins or the Rays. Yeah, uh, exactly. You know, there's there should be in this day and age, you know, the, the blackout thing is silly. Uh, yeah, it's 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 a big mess. It's a big mess, and and it's very interesting to see too because you know you look at broadcasting and sports as a whole. You look what happened at ESPN, right? Yep. You know they just had a bloodbath of cutting salaries and on-air personalities and things like that. You know ESPN is no longer at least for me and people I know are not thought of as highly as they used to be. But yeah. the one thing they've done right, I will, I will give them this is, is their streaming platform. I mean, Agreed. I mean, for what is it up to now? eleven ninety nine a month. I mean, you have tons of sports at your fingertips and, yeah. and you know, and, Especially for college, you know, I can watch virtually every UCF sporting event there is. It's, yeah. So it's so it's real incredible from that point. So streaming is going to be probably the big factor in all this, and I think it's kind of good to see things come back to over the air television. In my opinion, agreed. Uh, I have a friend who has the MLB app, like you do, and that's how he uh, consumes his baseball. And he, you know, I was complaining about how much I pay and. You know, DirecTV charged me 250 bucks this year, and yet I miss games if they're on Apple or Peacock or YouTube or on and on and on. And he said, well, just get the app, and you can watch things, and they have the, you know, once the game is over, there's a recap on there. And it's something similar to what YouTube also does. You know, you can watch the highlights. You can watch it a short version, a long version. You can watch it however you want to, and that's all streaming, so... I think that's where we're headed, but at least in market, uh, the over-the-air is a great option. Yeah, totally. Joe, you have the uh, MLB app, right? 
I yeah, I do. I've got my phone right here, so a lot of you know, a lot of times I'll just pop the Twins game on and watch it. It's been business as usual for the Twins this year. I haven't paid much attention to what's going on in some of the other markets, like you know, you mentioned San Diego, for example. But it certainly sounds like there's a lot to sort out, try to get through this season as best yeah. as possible, and then see where we are. Um, you know, then see where we are next next season in baseball. I'm just happy that uh, NFL Sunday Ticket is going to YouTube TV this year. I already paid for it. <laughs> I'm finally going to get that. But yeah, in this day and age, streaming. I'm going to access. I mean, good grief, you know. Um, oh no, this is this is stuff. It. This is stuff that would have blown our minds as kids, right? Absolutely. Oh my gosh, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so I'm setting my recorder right now to record the Padres broadcast tonight. There you go. Um, now we're set. Yeah. So I think the, what was the the I don't know if you noticed this, Joe, or not. Uh, but I about three weeks ago, and it'd been going on, going on for a couple of weeks on the MLB app, where. Whenever the commercials were being inserted, uh, uh, you know they they were you know third party inserts right. and stuff like right. that. Yeah. You get the spinning baseball, and it would lock up a little bit now and then. I, I had a problem with that a few weeks ago. I ended up calling MLB and and putting in my complaint about that. It got resolved about a week later. I hope other people complain because I certainly. You know, maybe I should take credit for all of it, but now it seems to be back to normal. But uh. Uh, thanks, Jeff. On behalf of baseball fans everywhere, uh, yeah, I get the spinning baseball every once in a while. I, I hadn't, I hadn't quite pegged it to what you know uh, as closely as you had to what it might be related to. Yeah. So whatever you know, third party was ins- inserting the targeted yeah. commercials for your for yeah, your for, area. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so, okay. yeah. So. Yeah. So. That was just something that uh, you know. Thankfully, they've straightened out because if we, you know, when when it would lock up, you know, it's like okay, this is the this is the dark side of streaming that can be. Yes, it is. So I've, I've been having trouble with the Pluto TV app when I'm trying to watch the Price is Right Barker era shows, and uh, <laughs> maybe I should call them, hey. <laughs> or maybe I should just re-download the app. <laughs> I don't know. Well, you know, it's funny because I did I did do all that stuff that you normally try, right? Re- rebooted the Wi-Fi. Sure. I, I does, yeah. All right, let me you're, let me you're reload very the tech app. Savvy, Jeff. Yeah, yeah. Go through all that. It's still happening. It's like, all right, yeah, I got a call. It's like, <laughs> at the very least, get this off my chest. So there you yeah. go. Let's, let us not stress any of this because, yes, to your point, Jeff. Back in the day, and back in all of our days, we had one game a week, if that. Um, yes. Yeah. So. Saturday yeah. afternoon, some Monday nights. Right. <laughs> so yeah, I, yeah. You, you, if you'd have told eight right. year old me, oh, you can watch any game you want, every game, whatever you want. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's magic. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it truly would have been. Yes, back in those days. All right, guys, you ready to do some TV themes? You yes, bet. Sir. All right, let's go with uh, Joe first.
All right, Jill. And that's the theme from the HBO series Succession. Have have I, either of you guys watched that series or know anything about it? I have not. I have not, but everybody raves. Yeah, and Jeff, you said no? I or? say I have not seen it yet either. You have not. Okay. Well, it it ran for four seasons, wrapped up earlier this year, um, just a couple of months back, I believe it was, yeah, in May. And when it, you know, when it debuted about four years ago, uh, I watched the first episode or two, and I thought, this is pathetic. <laughs> the acting is horrible. Are they expecting me to take this seriously? Uh, and the characters had this really crazy dialogue. And then it, at some point, you know, the me, it, it dawned on me that this is a political satire. It is satirical. It's supposed to seem that way. Yeah. And so I, as, as once I got what they were trying to do, I loved it. Uh, absolutely loved loved the show, and I think the fourth season might have been might have been the best yet. But anyway, uh, it's a satirical comedy drama that ran on HBO for four seasons. And you remember back in the day, we had the big, uh, you know, soap opera type primetime shows like Dynasty and Dallas. Uh, this this is like on steroids if you compared it compared it to that. And there was this. It's it's based on this fictional family, the Roy family, and there's some, you know, some belief that it might be loosely based on Rupert Murdoch. It it reminded me also of another well-known power-hungry family uh, in our political culture, but I'm not going to say the name. Um, but it you know it follows their ups and downs, and the characters, uh, you know, succession refers to the children of the patriarch brian cox played the patriarch logan roy and he's getting old and he's eventually going to die and in fact he did die in season four and his children are fighting over who gets to succeed him as the um you know as the the patriarch uh heir apparent and they have no moral compass whatsoever uh no ethical boundaries and as you can imagine things just descend into chaos once he dies if it wasn't bad enough before that as for the theme itself, and by it, you know, I don't want—I didn't give too much away. I think by that, um, but the theme itself, I, I found very interesting. Uh, it was composed by a guy by the name of Nicholas Brutel uh, for the show in 2018, and I, I'm not a musician, and I, and I don't—I don't claim to be. But I was—I was wondering about the instrumentation in it, and I—I I learned that uh, you know they're using piano. Uh, layered with uh, some strings, brass, beats from a drum machine, and some percussive sounds to kind of give it a kind of a hybrid classical hip-hop sound, uh, which um, is unlike anything else I've heard, uh, at least currently. And so it's been very well received. It won the um, Emmy at the 2018 Primetime Creative Arts Emmy Awards for that for that theme and Rolling Stone has put it in its top 100 themes, number 25 in the top 100 TV theme songs of all time. Uh, and one, one good quote from Rolling Stone, it says, this theme is music from the series and drives home the notion of a ruling class that has descended into gangster decadence of ambition and entitlement collapsing into chaos and nihilism. Wow. Yeah. So it's, <laughs> that's <laughs> I guess sort of it does. Um, those are, those are powerful you know, words. It's one of those, 
one of those tunes that kind of stays with you. But uh, yeah, I would I would put that show now probably in my top five all time in terms of my personal wow. favorites. That it's, I thought it was that good. And to think that I started off and told my wife, "What? I'm not going to watch this. They, they can't. This can't be serious." But it's right. It's not. It, serious. It couldn't it's be serious. Satirical. <laughs> <laughs> so with your description of the composition being classical hip hop. Um, while I was listening to that, I was singing Gangsta's Paradise by Nelly. Because, <laughs> you know, the beginning sounds like that, which we all know originally is uh, Pastime Paradise by Stevie Wonder on Songs in the Key of Life. Uh, so that, I mean, if that ain't classic hip hop, I don't know what is. Yeah, Jay, very astute observation on your Part. I, I'm looking at some notes I took. Some one reviewer said it, the tune is both rich in its dark classical sound from the 1700s, yet groovy like Coolio was composing it on a Steinway. Yep. So it it has an interesting blend. And I'm not astute enough to describe it, but some of these descriptions that I'm reading kind of ring true. Gotcha. Uh, you know, you know I'm reading it. You know what we're sitting on here, right? The next big radio format. <laughs> oh, <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> we need to cash in on this. <laughs> and Jay is going to be the program director. <laughs> that I would do. That, no well, better man for the job. <laughs> don't rule it out, Jay. <laughs> as long as no big company is in charge of it. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. <laughs> All right. So Succession was Joe's pick. Now let's hear Jay's song. We're gonna play the full thing, not the TV version. <laughs>
not a great song. Uh, you know what? Uh, um, who cares about the TV show? Who cares about the singer? The song is so catchy. It's like diabetes. I'm, um, <laughs> it's, yeah, a, it's, great. it's a feel-good song, right? It is. First of all, let's talk about the song itself. That's The artist is Joey Scarberry. That is his only big hit. It hit number two in 1981. And if you realize how bad music was in 1981, that's saying something uh, for something to be that up tempo. Because in 1981, everything was very adult contemporary or country crossover. So that was a pop record about a funny TV show. Now, Joey Scarberry uh, sang backup for Loretta Lynn in the 70s in his teens. And everyone kept telling him, you should be a singer. And he did the one hit, uh, Greatest American Hero. He also sang on the song Back to Back. I love this. It was the theme song for Hardcastle and McCormick, season two, only the first 12 episodes. And according to Wikipedia, the viewers were so upset, they switched back to the original theme song. So that's a pie in the face of Joey Scarberry there. Now, the song, of course, sounds like every other TV theme song. So, you know, it was written by Mike Ost uh, <laughs> with help from Stefan Geyer. Now, the show itself only lasted two seasons on ABC, 1981 to 83. The premise was aliens had left behind a red Superman suit and they gave it to this school teacher played by William Cat, except he lost the instructions, which is why whenever he tried to fly, he was flying into walls and bumping in and falling over and generally causing, uh, you know, great chaos wherever he went. Now, also on the show, Robert Culp, we remember him from I Spy, and also Connie Selica, who he eventually married in the second season. And as we know, Connie Selica now is... Uh, Mrs. <laughs> John Tesh. Thank you. I, I know it was going to come to me. And where did William Cat come from? Why, his mother played Della Street on Perry Mason. Thank you, Joe. <laughs> I saw that one coming. So the show didn't do well, but the song was just such a bubbly, up-tempo, feel-good song. Another uh, problem with the TV show. It came out in 1981. It looked too much like Superman. So DC Comics sued them over it and said, you can't do this show. And uh, DC Comics lost the suit. So they went ahead with the show. Also, the show started in 81, right after, and the uh, William Cat's character was Mr. Hinckley. And a certain Mr. Hinckley had just shot the president in real life. So there was a blowback on that. So the show was off to a bad start getting sued and having a presidential assassin as the main character. Now they fought, they changed his last name in the show for the rest of the year. And then they changed it back to Hinkley for the second season. This is network TV at its finest. Jeez. <laughs> uh, sounds like there was consultants involved. Yes, I never I watched, never watched the show. Love the yep. theme song. But I, I couldn't have told you anything about this. No, well, believe me, I looked it up. My mother watched the show. Okay. And, you know, I thought, you know, I, Connie Selica was pretty, so I might have watched it every Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but that was about it. So a great song, not a good show. So correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe William Cat ended up working with his mother in the Perry Mason movies. That is correct. As the son of Paul Drake. He did. Yeah. He had the white hair. I mean, come on. Yeah. So. Yeah. 
he bounced back pretty well. <laughs> yeah, I'd say so. Joey Scarberry, not so much. Yeah, but that is one of the great songs. And I got a, actually a story about that, too, because uh, uh, Jay, back when we were to WGTO, um, I think at the time WDBO was not quite fully transitioned into news talk yet. So they would still play a little bit of music here or there. And yep. before they made that transition, I would listen to them on the way in. And Orlando radio legend Jim Turner yep. played this song between 5 and 5.30 every morning. <laughs> well, that was what, you know, when you're a legend and no one's listening except Jeff. Uh, between five and five, I think that's hilarious. Do what you want. Yep, yep. Here, get it out of your system. Yeah. <laughs> he figured, hey, me, you know, I'm I'm going out of this format. Do it the way I want to. Pick my own music. <laughs> that's funny. <laughs> and I always think of that every time I hear that song too. So it's like, oh my god, yeah. Oh, I guarantee you, you weren't alone. No, <laughs> I was not. So. Gosh, that was uh, good stuff there, guys. Uh, baseball and TV themes. Good on. Oh, yeah. yeah. Always, en- always enjoy getting together to do this. So uh, we will uh, crank it up again before long. And, uh, you know, when we start getting hot and heavy into the, the, the stretch for the postseason and then the postseason itself. Uh, we, we should have a better idea of who the Braves will be playing in the World Series at this point. <laughs> yes. Probably the American League All-Star team. <laughs> right. <laughs> well, I certainly hope you are right. Yeah, well, I hope so. And, and until we meet again, I have at least four baseball trips planned, or games Ooh. planned. I've seen two in Arlington so far this year. The stadium's wonderful. And the Rangers are doing great. We yeah, they're, talk they're playing about very well. Uh, I have a trip to Pittsburgh at the end of July, so I'll see at least one game while I'm there. And then in September, I'm doing a D.C.-Philadelphia trip. My It's my annual go with a high school friend to see baseball parks. And so, unfortunately, Baltimore is not home the same weekend. or We'd have done all three. Mm. So we're going to do two games in D.C. and do the middle game in Philadelphia, and that'll crank two more um Two more uh, parks off my list. Plus, in both of those cities, I have people who can get me tickets. Ah, nice. I have zero baseball trips planned, so I'll just be living vicariously through you, Jay. So, so don't Excellent. let us down. Yeah, <laughs> I don't have any major league ones, but I think in a couple of weeks, um, on a Saturday, I'm going to go up and watch the Daytona Tortugas. Excellent. Play That'll be fun. Jackie Robinson yes. Stadium. I love minor league baseball. It's yep. fantastic. Yeah, I, no, I was like, I haven't been to a minor league game in, in it feels like a decade at the, at the very least. So um, I'm kind of itching to get that, uh, get that minor league baseball taste again. Yep. All right, guys. Well, until we uh, catch up next time, thanks again for being on. Thanks, Thank Joe. You. Thanks, Joe. Thanks for listening to Jeff Allen Sports Talk. Follow Jeff on Twitter at JeffAllen underscore 88, on Facebook at JeffAllen88, and the website JeffAllenSportsTalk.com. And you can reach out to the show anytime by email, JeffAllenSportsTalk at gmail.com. Jeff Allen Sports Talk is brought to you exclusively by Kramer's Salve for Dogs. 
Does your dog itch, suffer from debilitating skin allergies, or trouble hot spots? We have the solution using the healing power of neem. Kramer Cell is a safe and natural approach to help your best friend live an itch-free life. Go to KramerSalve.net to order today with new low pricing. That's K-R-A-M-E-R-S-A-L-V-E dot net.